Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is Paul Arno talking to my old buddy. Did I say old buddy? Ernest, sorry about that. My good buddy, Ernest Watts, down in Rockingham, North Carolina. Now, have you been in your pool all day, Ernest? No, it's about two hours. You could oh. say long-time acquaintance. You know. <laughs> acquaintance? Acquaint- a long-time friend. Long-time hey. pa- long compadre. Hey, hey we, we got to be good buddies when we started going to different... Uh, Sporting events with our sons, uh, and the most famous one was driving through the snow uh, to Charlotte and back. But we've we've been through a lot of different things watching sports. I'm looking back and thinking, you introduced me really to NBA basketball. I had never been to an NBA basketball game, and you took me to a Charlotte Hornets game. And I realized going early, you could maybe talk to them, get their autographs, and then just sitting and watching how high and how quick and just it just blew my mind have you if when was another time where you took somebody for the first time to a basketball game uh, let me see well i took my children of course uh and got them hooked on it in that respect and my grandchildren it's like i'm working on second generation in that respect mm-hmm. uh next generation uh, yeah the first game i went to was 1966 was in the old baltimore arena which people remember that was downtown and that was before downtown Baltimore was cleaned up to say the least. And it had a stage uh, at one end, right? Yeah. I had a stage at one end. It was, is part of a, 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 a Baptist youth group and we had our conclave there and we'd have it every year around Thanksgiving. And it, you're right. It was built like an auditorium and an arena. It was, uh, had a huge balcony in the back and, mm-hmm. uh, had a huge stage and a halftime show was Paul Anderson at that time, which was, was the world's strongest man. He had lifted three tons. <laughs> and uh, he and then the, the bullets at that time, that was before the Washington Wizards, what we have now, they had a little Dotson, and he would carry a little cannon around between quarters. A dog would carry a cannon. Well, it, it was a small a prop cannon that he had like a like attached like a leash what? to. And if the bullets were winning... Uh, he would go all, run around the court, and they would shoot this little can. Abe Poland was the owner of the bullets. They now. wouldn't shoot the dog out of the cannon. The dog would no, 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 pull no. the cannon. Dog, yeah, the dog would fire the cannon. He'd run around the court what? and everything. And again, you know, there was a whole side that was was the stage. So the arena held about like ten thousand, I think, and, and it was part of a, a complex right on the waterfront. And they they've refurbished it now because the arena football team which is called the baltimore brigade plays there now but uh that was my first and i got to see the the boston celtics at that nice. time bill russell and Havlicek, sam jones casey jones uh bob Cousy had just retired uh and it was it was again that was nice and they brought us the next year and we saw the seattle supersonics and then i got hooked and then when I moved to North Carolina, we had an ABA team here called the Carolina Cougars, and I got to see some of their games. Nice. Now, how bad it? that neighborhood in Baltimore was when they put an ABA team there, they called it the Baltimore Hustle. If you've ever seen The Wire, dun, 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 you know dun, dun, why. You used to live in Baltimore, but you I were there know. after they cleaned up downtown. Well, right? so you're talking about basketball for me growing up was – a Chuck Taylor tennis shoes. My my dad played uh, basketball in high school, and I remember him saying, oh, these are the best tennis shoes. And back then, 
I wanted something like Adidas or Nike or Reebok. I remember Reebok came out with their super soft high tops. But my dad says, oh, yeah, you need a Chuck Taylor. And nobody wanted them back then. Now you go to the store and Chuck Taylors, they want $60, $70 for them. And I'm like, what? And actually, I'm going to a wedding in September. And the the couple want it really laid back. They're going to have barbecue and everything. And they're asking everybody to wear Chuck Taylors or uh, Converse to the wedding so it's gone around a long way but folks you've turned into pardon the confusion we talk about sports we also talk about what we're doing in life and what we enjoy and ernest and i have been to a bunch of baseball games as well (laughs) one of the well well, well, paul can i dive in just a second for something do you know who chuck taylor is wasn't he a high school coach in indiana no he was a shoe salesman no way yeah that's all he was Hey, he, did he make money off that? The, no, no, he just got out in the field. He spread the word of Converse because at that time, you know, Nike was, uh, you know, the Nike and Adidas were two brothers in Germany. They, oh, were actually, they, were. they were members of the Nazi party, but we won't get no, into that. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, look it up, Google. And so Chuck Taylor was, was you had PF Flyers and you had Converse. That was your tennis shoes at that time. PF Flyers, Kids, and Converse. Yeah. And Chuck Taylor went out and he would take shoes and he would take it to all the high schools and colleges and he like spread the gospel. He was the Johnny Appleseed of tennis shoes at that time. So you don't hear PF Flyers, you don't hear Kids anymore. They're gone. And to reward him as the greatest salesman of Converse, they slept his name on the shoes. And just recently, now, now we can get to baseball. I'm sorry. Well, no, no. Well, let's stay with that a little longer. Uh, Pete Fontaine, the, one of the great runners uh, out in uh, Pacific Northwest, I think Oregon, um, he was one of the first ones to really wear Nike. Anyways, there was an article that one of the first Nikes, the ones that they took made with waffle irons and all that, sold for like 400 grand or something like that. So classic tennis shoes are still way up there. And what I was going to talk about today is baseball and football because we're coming up on the World Series, believe it or not, although that's two months away. And then we're going to be football before you know it. But this is our 61st episode of Pardon the Confusion. And Ernest, I'll put you on the spot. Can you think of a famous baseball player that wore number 61? I mean, you're the great guru of information. Oh, my. I'll tell you, he's a a pitcher. Yeah, with a number like that, it would have to be a famous baseball player right. war 61. I would say... He won the World Series in 2007. He was an all-star three times. He played on two teams primarily. 61? 2007 World Series? Yep. Which was won by the Red Sox. His name is Josh Beckett. Oh, that's right. He flamed out pretty fast, too. He did after that. And the most famous 61 in NFL was a guy named Bill George. And if you know who he is, I'll be amazed. But he did make the Hall of Fame. Oh, he was linebacker for the Bears. There but I would go. say I would say Curly Culp, who uh, was a nose guard for Kansas City and the Oilers. He was a very famous 61 also. Another that's, old that's- guy reference. Well, yeah, I mean, he was, he was actually, he was all American wrestler and he, he really, the AFL was the first middle guard or nose guard 
primarily it was in the 40s and 50s in NFL football. And it, the AFL brought it back because it was such a passing league. They wanted to get more guys in the backfield. And so Curly Culp was, was one of the first ones to be able to do that. Now, was he bald? And, yes. <laughs> Just like if you don't know the old Three Stooges, the crazy thing is one t- I went to the remake of the Three Stooges in the movie theater with a buddy of mine, and that was the first time we saw, um, oh my gosh, I forgot her name right now. She married to Justin Verlander. Um, the, Kate Upton. Uh, Kate Upton was in there as a prospective nun. She was a nun's outfit, so we laughed at that quite a bit. You remember who played the head nun? In the movie, uh, George Carlin. I don't well, know. Uh, Larry Charles. Right. I thought it was a guy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pardon the confusion. No, not pardon the confusion. No, no. Uh, uh, curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> sure, those are the same thing. Yes. Why how not? How could I not get those confused? How many All brain right. cells do we have left at the end of the well, day? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm more surprised that uh, you know. That I remember Curly Culp in, in that <laughs> respect, and then I remember who Chuck Taylor was. But there you go. You know, uh, well, give me one for that much. But Larry Charles played. Yeah, there were a lot of cameos. That wasn't the real Three Stooges to me. No, I, it I wasn't. go back to Larry Moe, Shrimp, Curly, and, Shrimp, uh, Shrimp. Yeah, Is that Shrimp. the special? No, it no, was there, Larry, no, Curly, and Moe. There were five Three Stooges. <laughs> there was five Three Stooges? There were five Three Stooges. I remember there was Let, Shemp, not Shrimp. Yeah. Well, Shrimp. Southern <laughs> accent. There was uh, him, Curly, and Curly Joe. Yeah, and folks, go on YouTube, watch them. They're just oh, yeah. classic and, uh, and physical Fine, humor. Funny. All the others were brothers. Larry Fine was the only one not related to the others. Yeah, it was funny. It's inappropriate now. You can't get to see it on regular TV anymore. But no, no. So baseball. I was getting around to that. <laughs> <laughs> we went to a game. We took a church group from Rockingham, North Carolina, to see Atlanta Braves. And one guy who went with us was this old deacon in the church. He watched every single Braves game on TV. I mean, for years and years, I said, "Hey, come on, Mac, you got to go with us to see this game." You have to see the stadium for one time. And he had worked in the factories his whole life, and he agreed to go. He didn't talk very much. We got down there. We got in our seats in the outfield. Our kids are crazy having fun. My kid, uh, Ernest's kid, they're trying to get autographs, having fun. And I'm going out there trying to supervise. And I come back, and Mac's not talking even at all. I don't know what's going on. And then he tells me, I think if I remember right in the van, that somebody behind him dumped a beer on him. And he says, I'll never go back again. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I had one chance to try to make a great memory for this guy. But uh, we've seen a bunch of baseball games. We went to Tiger Stadium. We went to the um, Wrigley Field together. So we we like a good baseball game. We like the pace. We like to see how it's going back and forth. And right now, Ernest, it looks like the Astros have just sewn it up. I mean, everybody's practically giving them the World Series because they got Zank Grinke. And then they got... um, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander and I don't know. Are you ready to give them the World Series? Not to mention they got some pretty good hitting with Michael Brandley, Tuve, Uriel. Uh, things happen. Guys get hurt. I mean, it's, it's especially in that that you know that short series, that three out of five, that divisional series. Things can happen, and and you get a win on the road. 
I wouldn't hand it to them right now. I mean, let's face it, for the last five years, the Dodgers have had more talent than anybody. And mm-hmm. somehow they tend to fall apart. Playoff baseball is so much more different than regular season baseball. But they don't have uh, Puig start- anymore, though. So if Puig is gone, can they win at all? Yeah, I mean, they've got the hitting. Hitting's not the problem. The Dodgers' problem is fielding. Um, the Astros' problem is, I, I don't know if it, health is an issue, because already Korea's been out for a while, Atuve's been out for a while. There have been so many injuries for that team, and, and they seem to be rounding into shape, but, but even with pitching. And again, starting pitching just does not go as far in playoff baseball. You see relievers coming in the sixth and seventh inning and and every inning scoring goes down. So the ability to hit against good pitching makes, makes it, it's, it's, it's important. Now they've won a championship two years ago, so they've been there and it's really the bulk of the same team. Now they've got new catchers in there. Brian McCann's now with the Braves. He was with them the last two years and their pitching coach is probably the best in baseball because AJ Hintz, who is the manager has done a great job, but guys go there. Garrett Cole, when he was with the pirates, he, all he did was throw high and throw fast. He's become a pitcher there. Now he's a free agent at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Verlander. I mean, we all thought stick a fork in. He was done when he was with the tigers and he's had this renaissance ever since he's been with the Astros. Yeah. 15 wins this season so far. The, the, the only question is about, uh, you know, the newest, their newest pitcher has never really done anything in the playoffs. Verlander has, Cole has not. So you've only got one real warrior in there. Now, Keiko's gone. Keiko was very important to them winning that World Series. He's with the Braves now. So I, I wouldn't hand it to them. Things happen. I mean, we look back last year, we all thought the Red Sox were going to stumble. We thought it was going to be the Astros and Dodgers last yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. You, so we're not as smart as we think we are. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's 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 such a long season. It seems like every year somebody gets hot the last two weeks of the year, and they carry over that momentum. Could and it be the, the Brewers? Play- I think it could be the Brewers. <sighs> Brewers have no pitching. That's that's their big problem. I know, they, but they went far last year, even with their bad pitching. Yeah, but they've you know they've tra- traded their first baseman to the Rays. Uh, Hater is not doing as well in relief. The starting pitching is, if they get five innings, they're doing well. Shaw is hitting under 200, so they've benched him. Okay, so the, how about a sentimental choice? Uh, the Giants with Bochies last year. I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they had a hot streak. I think, I believe the, the two wild cards in the National League are going to come out of either the Nationals, the Phillies, or whoever does not win the NS, the National League Central between the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Cubs. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a dogfight between those three teams. I mean, the Cardinals were in first place until they went to Oakland over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So you got four teams that are fighting for two slots. I don't think that the Giants have to climb over four teams to get in the wild card. They're not going to do it. The Nationals are getting hot. Look out for the Mets. What? The Mets have won 12 out of 13 games. The Mets are two games out of the wild card right now. Look at that pitching staff. You've got DeGrom, 
you got Syndergaard, you got Stroman. I mean, yeah, I mean, they've, they've probably got the best rotation, even better than the Astros right now. Now, their hitting is inconsistent, but I, I consider the Mets more of a risk. I mean, it's, it's, it's the Giants are a good story, but they just let their mm-hmm. panic, who was a gold glove first, the second baseman, they just let him go. So, no, I, I don't see the Giants getting in there. Well, I, okay. I, I, you know, in division, I think it's pretty much set up. I think the Braves are going to win the East. Uh, Dogfight in the Central, and the Dodgers are pretty safe in the West in the National League. Well, let and me give you, old man rant before we move on to football because I think okay. you're right on target. I don't have to take the counterpoint for you to do a hot take or anything, but I do want to do an old man rant. Um Ernest, you probably remember what the old, old days before the internet, before cable TV, when we were in elementary school, and they had either the divisional or the uh, pennant games during the afternoon. And we, I was at school, and we would sneak in our transistor radios, and one guy would try to keep track of the games through that, or we'd run home trying to watch the games. And my old man rant, and you probably can see it coming, is baseball, Major League Baseball, stop starting the game so late and so that kids, even on the West Coast, have to go to bed. I mean, they start them late so the West Coast can watch them, but by the time they're done, they're so late. I don't mind if they do it like half the game's that late, but you're ruining your future audience with younger kids on the East Coast when you start them that late. Am I just out of touch or do you agree? Do you want to explain to them what a transistor radio is first <laughs> before I go any further? I mean. <laughs> okay, if I have to explain that, look it oh, up. God. The Smithsonian has them. They're little circuits that you would have inside a radio, and you could pick up AM or FM stadiums. But I only had an AM transistor radio, and we had a little plug for earbuds. So... That was something I could sneak into my bed late at night. My parents didn't know I was listening to it. Now it's smartphones and everything else. So, okay, there, Panasonic, Radio Shack, please, people, email me pictures if you have an old whoa, 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 transistor whoa, whoa. radio. Radio Shack, they're out of business, Paul. Catch I, up. No, I'm saying if they had an old one in their oh, shelf or something. But, I mean, I had an Admiral. I had a GE. I had a Sears. And I had a battery. Radio Shack. Huh? Had to get that nine volt. Yeah, battery. it was a nine volt battery. Now the only thing you have a nine volt battery is for your smoke detector. But I digress. So, do you agree uh, with that take? I I I agree with the content. the The first night game was nineteen seventy. It was the the uh, excuse me seventy one. It was the Pirates and the Orioles. They played uh, a Wednesday night game. Nelly Browse won the game two to nothing. And I would like after I, I did the same thing. I mean, our 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 teachers would actually roll the old tube TV out. And we'd watch the games, you know, during recess. Nice. And that was but uh, it's it's not going to change, and I'm going to tell you why. If you money. were going to do it, you money, would do it on money. the weekends. And in the weekends on Saturday, what are you competing against in October? Football, college, college football, Sunday afternoon. What are you competing against? NFL. Yeah, the NFL. So it's going to be a waiting ratings loss. They used to be the NFL used to not schedule a game that weekend of the World Series of deference. <laughs> really? Not anymore. No, not no, anymore. No. Yeah. No, Although no. it was a time when there were no Sunday night games. Sunday night games started in the right. early 90s. 
Yes. TBS TBS did them first. And since and we then can- they only did eight games. Yeah. And now and now we're looking at Thursday night football and I'm sure somewhere down the road we're gonna be looking at uh Wednesday night football uh. or something. Well, well, we already get random Mac games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays already. But anyway, we'll get to football next because that's the big rating getter. And, of course, we want big ratings here. So, folks, if you're listening to our podcast, please go to iTunes and rate us on the reviews and give us a five-star rating. Okay, shameless plug over. Okay, Ernest, the first Amway Coaches Poll of 2019 released by USA Today. Um has Clemson number one with 59 first place votes with Alabama number two. But if you go to Sports Illustrated top 25, they have Alabama number one and Clemson number two primarily because they say Clemson has 80 freshmen and sophomore on the team. They've lost a lot of juniors or seniors that moved on. So who's your number one? Is it Alabama or is it Clemson or it just doesn't matter? Well, Clemson brought back their whole offensive line and their starting wide receivers. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, who probably is going to be standing up in New York City along with Trevor Lawrence when they do the Heisman Trophy Award. they got to replace their whole defensive end, but they had so many – whole defensive line. But they had so many blowout games that a lot of those kids, sophomores and juniors, got a lot of playing time last year. Uh, their defensive backfield, three or four starters are coming back. They have a harder schedule, I think, than Alabama mm. into the fact that they've got to play Texas A&M, but they got them at home. And I think Syracuse and Florida State are, are going to be a little bit difficult. These are kids who have, have, have won in that respect, and I think uh, it, it's, it's to me they're a better team. Alabama has some problems also into the point that they've got to replace pretty much all their defensive backfield. The offensive line, they've got some problems also. Uh, is going to be good. The wide receivers are probably the best set in college football, but their schedule is only have four away games. I know. And Alabama still, every year has such a lame schedule, I think, but they do play SEC football, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they, you know, they got to go to Texas A&M. That's going to be rough. They got LSU. I think LSU and Texas A&M are two teams that could win. I think if they were in the the, the Pac-12, or I think if they're in the Big Ten, they could have won. Can win any one of those divisions. I think they're very. I think they're top five talent teams. Uh, I don't think Auburn, but but again, Auburn's got to be very careful this year because they're rumbling there. And there are a lot of folks that think the coaches, they're tired of the coach constantly falling behind. Yeah. And they, you know, they're getting a new quarterback. Again, uh, Judy, Riggs, and Smith are three of the best wide receivers. Alabama's bringing it back. They've got to replace everybody except the right tackle and offensive line. Running backs grow out of the weeds there. Their linebackers are coming back, but. They had problems with the defensive back last year. They still haven't found a kicker. Okay, so we're talking we, about we kickers. Let me get a word in here then, if you're okay. going to talk about kickers. So the next two on SI's uh, ranking, and here I go old school again. I grew up waiting for the Sports Illustrated to come to the house. That was the big deal. I mean, nowadays I flip on the computer and I pull up SI. It just doesn't quite feel the same. Anyways, they have number three 
being Georgia Bulldogs and number four being the Oklahoma Sooners. And so that's a real toss-up between those teams. You know, the last couple of years, Georgia has been there so close. Is this the year they go over the top? I think they will. And Oklahoma, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the bargain or the great uh, replacement that they hope he is. So I think between those two, Georgia is better. What do you think? I think Oklahoma's better. Ooh. I, I think oh, I think they can roll out an offensive line just just like Alabama can find running backs, Oklahoma finds offensive line. If they, and I think Jalen Hurts is a proven winner. He comes from Alabama. He's a transfer, the the new transfer portal, which sounds like something out of Star Trek. I think Trey Sermon is a great running back. They bring back their whole defensive line. Now, their defense was pretty porous last year. But uh, yeah. Lincoln Riley is an offensive genius. I just think, you know, I don't think Texas is going to be as good as they are. I know West Virginia won't be as good. Iowa State probably is the second best team in that division, in, in the, the, the Big, Ten, Big 12, excuse me. Uh, Georgia... You know, they're replacing most of their defense. They are getting some of their offensive line back. Uh, I'd be interested to see how Zamir White, who's from down the road here in Scotland County, how he's going to do it running back. Fromm is a proven commodity, but last year Georgia won on their defense. And it's almost like a stigma for Georgia mm-hmm. in the fact that, that when they play Alabama, they just look at ways to lose. I mean, the last two games, national championship, they lose in overtime when they had already a missed field goal and had an opportunity to win it. Last year, they had a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. It just they shoot themselves in the foot every time they play Alabama. It's, it's a mental issue in that respect. I think Georgia has an opportunity to slide to maybe seventh or eighth. Oklahoma, I think, will be the third team in the Final Four along with uh, with Alabama and with Clemson. I think those three are, are set that fourth can float between, and I'm sure you're gonna. We're gonna talk some more teams in just a second. I have some personal ideas who that fourth team will be. But go ahead. You think the fourth team is gonna be Oklahoma Sooners? Is that what you're saying? The Tide, the Tigers, the Bulldogs, and the Sooners? No, no, no. I don't think the Bulldogs. I don't think Georgia will be there. I think of the Final Four, three of them are pretty set. It's gonna be. You think Oklahoma, Clemson, and Alabama? Well, I don't think it's gonna be Ohio State because a rookie coach. Uh, it rarely gets that far. and um, A new day in Buckeye country. Yeah. that's There's so much talk about Urban Meyer being in USC in two years. But anyways, Notre Dame's been knocking the door the last couple years, but can they get over the top? I'm not so certain. And LSU is an interesting team. If But Ed Orchard, I just can't believe he is um, smarter than the way he talks. Uh, he just... You look at him, you think, you think that's a low blow. I'm sorry, Ed, but that's the way I feel. But so I, I listed a bunch of teams there. I'm wondering who you're going to go with. I know you're not going to say my Wolverines, so I bet you're going to say uh, Notre Dame. Hey, you know, I'm not going to say the Wolverines. I'm not. Wolverines <laughs> lost too much on defense. I mean, uh, you lost Bush and you lost two defensive linemen. Defensive backfield's coming back. You got your wide receivers. You got your quarterback back for another year. Got some offensive line. Uh, and Michigan's got some some rough games. They've got Notre Dame coming in there. I don't think it's going to be Notre Dame either. Even though Notre Dame returns uh, everybody but the center and the offensive line, Book comes back. But uh, their defense 
in the All middle. Right. Drum roll, please. Paper. Ernest, who is he going to uh, be number four? Come on, man. Okay. I got to take a wild shot at this, okay? Wild so shot. It's got to be someone really outside the blue. And because this particular league has not had a representative hmm. in, in the uh, – in the uh, Championship Texas. for three years now. Yes, Texas. you've got you've got the division. I'm saying the Fighting Utes. No, Utah. No, no, no. Are you That's, okay? What have you been drinking tonight? Yeah, I just there just seems to always be that underdog team that no one ever thinks of that comes out. And I, I do like Tyler Huntry. He's a good quarterback. This is a solid team. Brings back three wide receivers. Most of their offensive line. A great defense. What a Ney, Passini, Fotu. I mean, it's it's I I think it's a good team. Kyle Winningham is one of the most underrated coaches in college football. There's always that one team you don't see that makes that final four. Last year it was Notre Dame. And when they beat Michigan at home, that easy schedule that they had, and they play a partial ACC schedule, kind of made it open for them. I don't think they're going to allow two SEC schools again, though I love the talent. I, I love what they're doing at Texas A&M. And, and LSU comes in with one of the best defensive backs in there, the backfield they have, and they have talented running back, a returning quarterback. LSU impresses me. They could beat Alabama. Texas A&M could beat Alabama. Just for the simple reason is I think you can pass on Alabama this year. Well, they lost their offensive coordinator, Gaddis. He came, or he was assistant, I guess, there last year, but Michigan hired him away. And But Saban restocks coaches like crazy. And Saban, it's almost like if he doesn't win it one year, he'll win it the next. And I have a sneaky feeling that Alabama is going to roll. That sounds so obvious. Um, the other day I was reminded how much I love college football, but how much I love something about... Uh, NFL football, and that's the helmets. When I was growing up, I always loved the helmets, and I got the little helmets. When you go to the grocery store, you put in a quarter, and you, you dial it around, and you see which plastic container drops down, and you'd open it up. And back in that day, you had to take the sticker off a little paper and put it on yourself on the little helmet. And uh, so when my son was coming around, I bet your son too, we would do the same thing. We'd stop, we'd dial, we see what we got, and the later we figured out, wait a second, you can buy all the helmets at one time <laughs> cheaper through at the store or you can order it. But it lost a little bit of the, the fun of that. Did you guys collect those helmets as well when you were a kid? I, and I still have them in a drawer here. You know, I, I still I, have like 100 of them or something. I even predate that, and I have some of these also. Chiquita Banana in 1970 to 72 would have these little stickers when you buy the bunch of Chiquita bananas and uh -huh. the helmets. And I have not the whole set. The whole set goes for $500 now. And wow. uh, Gatorade did the same thing, I want to say 74 75 So it was a sticker that looked like a helmet on the banana? Well, it was a sticker. It had the helmet and had the team name around. It was an oval sticker about an inch around. Uh -huh. And you would go buy the bananas and you could see, oh, I want a 49ers or I want, you know, back then, back then the Chargers had the coolest helmets because not only did they have the lightning bolt, they had the number of the uniform mm. inside of the helmet. It's a mm -hmm. white helmet, a uh, gold uh, lightning bolt, and then the player's number was on there also. 
But and then Gatorade, at that time, Gatorade had uh, metal tops to them. That's when they were in glass. <laughs> and they had them also, and you could collect them. I still have. Did you drink milk off a bottle too, Ernest? No, 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 no. Well, no, I'm not a milk lover. We had a cow, so no, we had a cow. <laughs> I heard uh, your mom had a cow, but no. Oh, uh, yes, 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 I had a cow. Uh, every time, once I was born, she had a cow for the next 18 years. Oh, I, I didn't a, go there. You went there, man. I know. Uh, I have a St. Louis Cardinals one from the uh, the uh, Gatorade. Most of you listening don't remember when the Cardinals were in St. Louis. Well, do you remember uh, when some of the helmets had the um, front uh, nose guard? Um, it was like a piece of plastic you had to clip them into place, too? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they had different. Then they didn't have the standardized uh, face mask because you had the one little horseshoe that came down. Yes. Or you had the like the massive one, like Joe Namath. I had one, the one I wore in high school was like Joe Namath. It was the cage with the opening at top with the three lines. Yeah. And you could get all side. There was, uh, I knew one guy that we played with had the small, like the Y bar, but he flipped it so it was backwards. Oh, weird. And, and the poor. The kicker in high school for my team, this is my age, had a single bar helmet. Uh-huh. And I haven't seen a single bar helmet in years. Mm. But we actually had some old helmets without face masks. That's how long ago I played because face masks only came in football in the mid-50s. So I only the played. La- Go ahead. I, you mentioned Bill George earlier. Yeah. Bill George was the last NFL player to play without a face mask. Yikes. Him and Chuck, Chuck Better Derek. Chuck Better Derek went two ways for the Eagles. He played until 1962. Bill George played until 1968. And they didn't have face masks. Well, I give you credit, Ernest. Every time I start feeling old, you talk about somebody way older than me. Yeah. But um, when I only played one year of football, and then I had to choose between football and hockey, and I chose hockey. But I played, and I, I was big for my age, and it was like seventh grade. And so they gave me a helmet with a um, Zonka uh, face mask like Larry Zonka was a fullback and he had that little note that circle right where your nose is right, a little, right, little horseshoe and, yeah. right and then I had a, and I played offense and defensive line at that point and we had one drill where the coaches wanted to see how tough you are so they'd blow the whistle and one guy would run straight at the other guy you know just try to hit each other as hard as you could and I remember doing that and I did okay for a while and then I ran against one guy a little too big and that circle thing came down and cut my nose a little bit. So I imagine when you played football in high school, you got cut up a little bit. What kind of face guard did you have? Oh, I had the Joe name at the big K. Oh, that's right. Uh, but now, tell you how much things have changed. One drill that we used to do a lot was called the Oklahoma drill. And you may not know the name, but it's been outlawed. They can't do it in high school, college, or pros anymore. And that's where you'd have two guys, and they would line up against each other and just hit each other as hard as they can just one-on-one that's what i just said wasn't it or maybe I. oh yeah just, okay yeah, same thing called, okay yeah oklahoma that's illegal now you can't have that that's been banned from <laughs> high school college football so because why did the coaches run it just to see how tough we were oh of? yeah it's a tough yeah we had i had we had another version of it in which we had a pit and it was a structure with a uh kind of underneath a, a barbed wire on the top what? so if you stood up you would hit the barbed wire and it would snag you. Yikes. Oh, oh, you think that's bad. Let me tell you the real bad one. Uh, this is how far along we came. Okay, this is early 70s. And what state is this now? This is North Carolina. All right. So, yeah, 
we would hit underneath that. We would hit the sled, which if you watched uh, 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 Hard Knocks last night, John Madden went on about it. He actually has one in the front yard of his house. Oh, uh, really? The walking sled. Does oh, it have yeah, a flower he's... planted in it or something? No, no, no. He just likes. He just sits on top of it like he did when he was coaching. But when I was playing, uh, we would be given water breaks once an hour. And you would go to this hose, you know, a garden hose right. attached to a facet faucet. And you could not, you were told you couldn't swallow the water. You would put the water in your mouth, swish it around, you had to spit it out. We didn't understand about dehydration or the dangers of heat exhaustion back then. But that was the modus operandi in the 70s, where if you drunk water, that would make you sick. Uh -huh. So you couldn't drink, couldn't have any Gatorade, and how we didn't fall out is beyond me. But you would just get the water in your mouth, and you had to spit it. You couldn't swallow it. That's mm -hmm. how far along we came. And again, no one knew about concussions. I mean, I was knocked silly a few times, and people can say they still can tell still that. Still are, buddy. Still, still are. Still all that time. Still alive. And again, it was... There was no medical training. There was no rescue squad. There was coaches did not receive any training to recognize things. And I you saw, walked four miles each way to practice, right? Well, no, no. My dad drove me. But I saw a guy one time have a compound fracture, the bone sticking out of his leg. Yeah, and they there just we go. picked him up by his arms and dragged him off the Yikes, field. nice. Well, I started this conversation talking about helmets because, you know, it's preseason and some of the talk, in the podcast lately has been why do we love the sports we love and one of it's just plain helmets i know helmets are practically a weapon and they don't want them to use it but i looked up on uh, different websites what are the most popular or favorite helmets in the nfl and i want to see if you agree with i'm going to give you three and i want you to pick which one you like the best okay and then i'll tell you which one was actually voted the number one so the top Three, not in any particular order, are the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New York Giants, and the Dallas Cowboys. Which one do you think is the number one in fans' hearts? You know, the the, the my son is a big Cowboys fan. I know Jordan. Jordan. Better. Yeah, but now when they first came out, the helmet was white. Now they've, they've had problems always coming up with the. They have that metallic sheen to it now with the star and the original name of the team was not going to be Cowboys. It was going to be the steers. And then someone told the uh, general manager, Gil Brand at that time, you know, steers are male cows that shall we say have been uh, um, altered. Yeah. They're not able to reproduce. Yeah. Yeah. Altered. I, I cleaned it up. Okay. So they quickly changed it to Cowboys in that respect. So uh, it's iconic, but I just like, the Steelers because you've only got the sticker on one side of the helmet and you have those tricyclides. That's the, the, the imagery, the four little things, which basically is the trademark of the U S actually three little things. There's a yellow, three. a red and a black, but they're called tricycloids and that's the geometric term for them. But it's just fascinating. And you know why they're only on one side of the helmet? Because they didn't have enough for both sides? You are correct, sir. I got another trivia question for you. Okay. What was the first, what was the first team to put imagery on their helmets? Uh, the Lions. Uh, incorrect, sir. 
your Los Angeles Rams. Oh, with they the horns. The, the horns. They were the first team to put it on there. Well, that's that's a, a, a you talked about an image. I'm thinking like the full uh, logo on there, like the Lions did. But okay, I'll give you that. So my fi- I do like the Steelers. I like the classic, you know, down and dirty look. Um, but since my high school team had the same color blue helmets, I always liked the New York Giants helmet. I just liked how, you know, shiny and it looked cool. And, you know, as much as I know your son loves the Cowboys, I have never loved the Cowboys. I, I think they won too much. I think it was all handed to them. But I read Vern Lundquist's book recently, um, Uncle Vern, who I didn't realize had such a long career in Dallas. And after reading that, I started to appreciate Dallas a little bit more. So I'm going to give you the next three helmets and see which ones. And by the way, they are number one, Dallas, number two, Steelers, number three, Giants. Well, let me let me answer you something else. Uh, which of the Giants' helmets did you like? Because they've had three different imagery on their helmets. Oh, that's true. I just was – I like the color. <laughs> As oh, a kid, color. I like no, the it's color. Not, it's not the Giants with the underline on it or the double line NYU, which was used in the 70s. Now they've gone back to the classic, just the NU. So it's the color, right? Royal blue. Okay, good enough. I, but I do like the spelled-out Giants oh. because I, I like the spelled-out Jets, and that's one of my favorite helmets. But Have the, you seen the new, gel, new Jets helmet? Oh, don't tell me they ruined it. Well, they've changed it. It Now it's the – Instead of it's the the word Jets and a football underneath it, and it's oh. all green. It's not the classic yeah. that we're used to with the little football in it. Uh, it's all green and it's got the word Jets, the new typology on it, and it's just got. That's not too bad. And I'm going to talk about the worst helmets in a little bit. But the next okay. three are very classic, so it's hard to choose between the three. And I, once again, it's not in order. Which one do you like the best? The Oakland Raiders. The Green Bay Packers or the Chicago Bears? Which you one know, do you like the th- of those three? Do you know uh, Green Bay did not have the G on their helmet until Vince Lombardi came? Before that time, they were just gold helmets. And the people at Georgia had their G on their helmets first, and uh-huh. they considered suing at yeah. that time. Right. And there, there was always a rumor, and you talk to people in Green Bay, and they say the G stands fans for great football but I, I grew up with the, the you know the Lombardi years so I'll have to go with the Green Bay helmet because I grew up in Michigan I did not love the green and yellow uh, the game, only games I would go to seeing the uh, Lions were against Green Bay and they'd usually win but one of those games I saw um, Walter Payton play with the Chicago helmet and when I saw him play I just was amazed on the determination and the toughness. Uh, my One of my best friends who I grew up with, Dave Gibbs, loves the Raiders. And I tell you, no other fan base knows how to dress up for a game and do all the takes on the Raiders. Now, Ernest, you're Mr. Trivia. The Raiders has this old dude with an eye patch. Is that after Superman, or who's that uh, drawing, that man? Do you, is, there any, is he any, drawn after any actor or anything? No, and you know, actually, when they first got the franchise, they were going to call the team the Seniors. <laughs> believe it or not, Oakland uh, Seniors. Yeah, and originally the helmet was white, and they went to the silver respect. And it's it's changed a little bit over the years. He's become more piratey, so to speak, more dashing. It's like the the, the Bears helmet has changed because in the seventies, when Gale Sayers were playing, it was just a white C, and now you have that red right. inside. 
They've they've all orange, that. orange inside. Yeah, yeah. So no, I did. It's not. So which nobody. one's your favorite? Jim You're Garner saying was, Jim Garner was a big Raiders fan, but it's not Jim Garner. No, it's not him. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that's an actor from the '60s and '70s and '80s. So Green Bay Packers is your favorite. So I'm going to go to yeah. the next three, which are classic and a little controversial. And by the way, the number four was the Chicago Bears. Number five was the Green Bay Packers. Number seven was the Oakland Raiders. The next three, and not in any particular order, that people say are their favorite are the Houston Texans, the Washington Redskins, and the Chicago, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers. I had to get that right. Yeah, I didn't put San Diego. Good for you in that respect. Okay, what was the first one again? So what does San Diego mean, Ron Burgundy? Yes, it means Germany, found by the Germans in 1910, and it means I can't do that. (laughs) Sorry. All right, that's a shout-out to Nate, who's not co-hosting with us today. But anyway. uh, Okay, what was the the first one again? The Redskins, the Texans, or the San Diego Chargers? I mean, the Los Angeles Chargers. I knew I would do that. The Texans stole their logo from the Bullseye Barbecue. <laughs> no one sees this but me. I have been talking about this for the 10 years that team has been there. They stole it from Bullseye Barbecue. I don't know why. That, that's the third football team to be called Texans. There was an arena team called the Dallas Texans, and the originally Kansas City Chiefs wore the Dallas Texans. The Redskins, you know... They they would if they went back to their old logo in the seventies, which was like Florida State, it was just uh-huh. a spear. Yeah, I think people, but the name, and we're going to see it change in our lifetime. We are. It's they very copyrighted Washington Warriors. So uh, the owner has. So you're going to see that change. Mm. I mean, the burgundy in gold colors they're very iconic in that respect. Come on, this but is an easy I, one. Come on. I love the Chargers. I, I know, really, me too. I love Chargers because they reminded me of the old Air Force Academy. I had dreams as a small child to go to the Air Force Academy before I grew too large mm. and uh, and didn't have the grades. And <laughs> that, that lightning bolt is just iconic. And whether it's they've had the royal helmet, they've had the white helmet, they've changed it, but they've kept that bolt. So it's the Chargers. I agree totally with you. And by the way, they have Chargers number nine on this list, so I doubt the list at all. So I'm going to give you the bottom three, and it's going to shock you, but which one of these actually was the least favorite helmet or the the least uh, light helmet, according to USA Today in this uh, article? So is it the Carolina Panthers? Sorry about that, Ernest. I knew that was coming, but go the, ahead. To Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Or the New England Patriots? The Flying Elvis? It's always <laughs> been the rumor that, uh, you know, they used to have Patriot Pat, who was hiked over the ball. Right. Ready to snap it. And then they went to Flying Elvis, which he does look a little bit like Elvis. Uh, the Buccaneers, they need to go back to Bucko Bruce and the orange creamsicle uniform. Oh, they were no, so no, no. They were so sweet. I'd like they, the Peter color. I like the, the imagery of the boat on their shoulder, the pirate yeah. boat, yeah. that would be a lot better. I mean, they put that, it's the sword. They made it, they, they made it larger and the metallic helmet I know. uniform was horrendous. I know. It's, it's too big. Black and, and, and mid Carolina blue. I love the Panthers. A lot of people don't realize that the, the shape of the Panther head is actually 
the shape of North and South Carolina together. If what? you turn it to the side, yeah, it's the shape. That's why it was designed. Oh, you're right. I see it now. The The owner of the Panthers designed it that way, and he took the colors, the Carolina blue, made it a little bit deeper, and the black was for Clemson. His two sons both played college football. One played for Carolina, and one played for Clemson. Now, the black really is supposed to be South Carolina, University of South Carolina, but his son played college football. So he tried to represent the colleges in both towns because originally the NFL wanted to be the same color as the Ravens. They wanted black and purple and the NFL wanted to name the team, the Cougars Mm. because they thought the Panthers were aligned with the black Panther party of the seventies. Oh, come on. Yeah, true. 30 years ago. So they pushed the purple color and Jerry Richardson said, I'm not Prince. He went with the colors <laughs> to colleges. Yeah, there. I usually think Jerry Richardson and Prince being the same person. Yeah, well, that, that's true. Uh, both of them got in trouble later <laughs> in their lives. Wow. So, uh, so which so one that, is the worst in your mind? Come on, get the to worst? yeah. Boy, uh, I I don't like flying Elvis, and it's not about the Patriots. I wish they would go back to Patriot Pat. I mean, I, I like those iconic uh, Steve Grogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gino Capitelli. Uh, the years they old, lost, you mean? Yeah, but not so much that. Those were classic uniforms. I remember the AFL. And and I wish Tampa Bay would go back to Bucko Bruce. I don't like the, it was yeah. like Tampa, it was like Tennessee colors. It was Tennessee orange and it was distinctive. And now they have these reflective metal numbers. And to watch the games is just hard to pick up on the numbers. So. And and we're going to rant. I can't stand the Thursday night all same color uniforms, like all yellow. They look like big bananas playing out there. What's that about? Anyways, you are right, Ernest. The New England Patriots was voted the least favorite or the worst helmet in the NFL. Maybe a little hate going on there. And I, like I said before, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pewter. I thought that was so cute so great when they made it their helmet color but then for some reason they thought the logo wasn't big enough and now it just looks sort of weird i i get it maybe it was hard for the quarterback to see their helmets as they ran across you know buffalo bills did that right they were used to have blue helmets and they switched to white and i wasn't yeah, that why don't you? It's so the they can see them better right you know, the quarterback was colorblind oh both teams tampa bay and buffalo changed their helmets from white to a color because Vinny Testaverde was colorblind and his first year he threw 24 interceptions. (laughs) They changed the helmets from the orange to the white helmets. And Joe Ferguson, who was the quarterback for Buffalo when they went from uh, the white to the, what they have now, the red helmets. Can you name two teams? Standing Buffalo Buffalo to the moving Buffalo. Go ahead. Name three teams that still have white helmets besides Buffalo. Three teams that still have – well, the Jets don't anymore, so we eliminate them. Uh, Miami. Yes. Chargers. Yeah, we already said the Chargers, but yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I can't count them. It's got to be two more. Yep. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, Try your Cardinals. luck on one of these. The Cardinals? Yes. And I got one left, right? Yeah. I think you'll be lucky with this guess. Uh, Titans. No, no. Well, the Titans right. are right, but Indianapolis Colts. I was trying to give you a clue. All the Colts too. Do you know we 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 didn't talk about the one team that does not have a logo? They tried to put a logo on it. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah, in 1964, the Cleveland Browns. It was part of the marketing. All the other teams had logos, 
So they pushed the Browns, and they gave them two prototypes they used in exhibition season. One was a CB, and the C kind of went into the top part of the B at an angle, mm. and they thought it was too dull. And then they trotted out the uh, brownie, which <laughs> is part of the logo, the little fairy-like looking brownie guy. No, fairy and football should not go together in the same well, sense. Paul Brown said, nope, nope. Nope. If you trot those out, I'm walking off. Paul Brown at that time was the, the coach of the team. Art Modell was the owner. And Art Modell was pushing it because they looked at marketing possibilities. Because, you know, if you buy a, a, a Cleveland Browns hat, you either get a picture of the helmet or you get the name Cleveland Browns. They have no logo to or secondary logo or, you know, like the Lions have a secondary logo. Right. Most teams have a secondary logo. So he tried to push the uh, – I forgot the brownie's name. He's even got, Brownie the Brownie, I think it is. Wow, that's original. That. And Paul uh, Paul Brown said, nope. And at that time, they were defending uh, NFL champs because they had beaten the Colts 28 nothing in the 63 uh, NFL championship. Well, Ernest, we're running up on time again, if you can believe it. So I have one last question for you on helmets. And this is just off the – not in the article I'm reading, but – the Jacksonville Jaguars has this two-tone something about their helmet, and then you have one of my classic old helmets that I do not like, and old meaning the 1980s, is the Cincinnati Bengals stripes. Uh, between those two, which one do you like the least? Do you remember the Bengals had the name? To yes, start they with. had a classic name helmet, but they went for this. Kenny Anderson. Oh, Kenny I, Anderson, I couldn't stand Isaac the stripes. Curtis. Isaac yeah. Curtis, I, it was it's it's a very '80s design. Uh, uh, they're not Paul Jones, Paul Brown Jr. now owns the team. I don't see him changing it because he's kind of stuck in his mud in that respect. You know, the Jaguars or the Jaguars, depending on how you pronounce it, if you want to be appropriate. The borderless. Uh, yeah, they've gone through several. The original uh, helmet uniform had a jaguar yes. leaping cross front like of the, the car company. Oh, yeah, and, had it, and then they had the full body and then part of body, and then they went with the head, and they went with the two tones, and now it's back to the black, But and then they changed the tongue to purple. I don't know why a jaguar would have a purple tongue. You know, what are they thinking? It's all for having those alternative um, uniforms, but uh, we're right up against the time. Ernest, final words. Uh, enjoy it. Football's back. Uh Please uh, keep your hearts and prayers with all the people in Mississippi and in Ohio, in El Paso. Yes. Depending, you know, you know, we're not talking about anything else. It's hearts and prayers towards these individuals. And again, I, I have a family member who is a uh, victim of one of these mass shootings. And I know all the tragic, those survivors and the families, uh, what they're having to go through with this. So please keep them in your hearts and minds. Yes, and let's think about the people affected, and if we can stop being political about it, that would be a great thing from my point of view. So, yeah, looking forward to football, looking forward to just going crazy when a great play happens and the first great upset. And we'll talk about it here on Pardon the Confusion. If you want to email us, send an email to contact at greatamericanman.org. And check out our website at greatamericanman.org as well. Or check us out on sportscountry.net, internet radio station for sports. And we're on from 5 to 6 o'clock in the afternoon. So for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Have a great night.